everyone. This is episode 40 of Going Beyond Salvation. This is your host, Jess Robinson. And today we are continuing on in our daily reading. This is going to be a later post because I was dealing with a husband that he's just been sick on and off this week. Uh, I'm I'm going to assure you it is not coronavirus. We've not come across anybody here in Wyoming. Most people here in Wyoming do not travel to China or, or places like that. And so it's just more of a just cold and virus. And he, he works at a bank and deals with money that is dirty and people come in sick. And so... This is going to be a little bit of a later post today, so we'll just get started right away, and we'll start off in Exodus. So we're continuing on in Exodus chapter 27, and he talks about the courtyard um, and how the rest of the tabernacle is to be done. And then there was also you know, oil for the lampstand um, so that the lamps would continue on burning and that you know as we've talked about in the last episode that's supposed to represent God's presence continually being um, among the people so then we move on into chapter 28 and here we're moving on into talking about the priests and Aaron Moses's brother was picked to be the the high priest and it was supposed to be through the line of Aaron in, in the tribe of Levi that this priesthood was going to happen and so like I had um, said you know in Genesis that you know curses were conditional we start seeing that the Aaron's line and and the tribe of Levi starts you know they're not following along the the curse that Jacob had originally put put upon him and so Aaron becomes a priest Aaron and his sons are to become priests for the Lord and you know he's giving instructions concerning the ministry of Aaron the high priest and the duties of the priesthood in general and he's you know, in, in chapter 28, we're seeing a lot about how the priest was to, his, his garments and how they're to look. He was giving instructions on that. Now, the priest in that time, because people couldn't just, you know, Christ had not come as we talked. You know, there was the veil and there was still this separation between God and his people. And, you know, a priest was someone who stood before God as a representative of the people. So that's what Aaron was. He stood in to represent the people. You know, they were to burn the incense. They were to supervise the lampstand and the table of bread of God's presence. They were to offer sacrifices on the altar and bless the people. They also... um judged civil cases and they and they also taught the law and the priests acted as intermediaries between the people and God 
So they were mediating God's will and covenant to the people. And then they were also mediating the people's sinfulness before God. And because they feel, you know, fulfill these tasks, they were making atonement for the people's sin and their own sin because they, they were human as well. Um, and they testify concerning God's holiness to the people. And today we don't have the priesthood anymore because we have Jesus. He is, he took over as our high priest and he, with the new covenant, Jesus offered himself as the perfect sacrifice. He was without sin and he sympathizes with our weakness. He appears in God's presence on our behalf. He brings our salvation to completion and he makes it possible for us to draw near to God, the father. That's why I was, you know, the curtain was torn when Jesus died on the cross. That curtain was torn to show that we could go back into God's presence because of Jesus. He was the perfect sacrifice. So this was just temporary until Jesus could come back. Or in, well, until Jesus came, and uh, until Jesus came. So, in chapter twenty-eight, there he's talking and giving instructions for the priestly garments. They had what was called um, a breastplate or a breast piece, and it was a square on which were placed twelve small precious stones in four horizontal horizontal rows of three stones each. And on the stones were the names of the twelve sons of Israel. And they were engraved. And he wore that to remember when he get, went in once a year. He had to wear that breast piece, you know, with the people on his heart and mind. Because he, Aaron the priest or whoever was the high priest in that time was offering the atoning sacrifice, you know, the atoning blood for the people. Then there was what was called the ephod. And that one was a loose fitting sleeveless garment extending to the knees. It was worn like an apron over, over the priest's robe. So they had a robe and then an ephod. So there was that. And then they also talk about some other garments in chapter 28. Now, we kind of talked about bearing the names of the sons of Israel, you know, when he entered into the holy place. There's also talking about the, the Urim and Thummim in, in the breast piece. So far, scripture does, hasn't explained what is meant by the Urim and the Thummim. Um, the literal meaning may be lights and perfections or curses and perfections. Um, and they were also probably used for casting lots to receive a yes or no answer in order to determine God's will in particular cases. And that's something that um, happened in Old Testament times. What they did in Old Testament times to determine God's will, and you'll see it over and over in the Old Testament, is casting lots. And that is because, as we all know, 
you know, the Holy Spirit hadn't gone to dwell in people yet. And so there had to be a way to, to make a decision. And so you see this whole thing with casting lots and you see it ends when you go to the book of Acts in, in the new Testament, they, we see once the Holy Spirit descends on the believers, you never hear the word of casting lots ever again. And, you know, especially when they choose to, to replace Judas. And that's just because, you know, the Holy Spirit was dwelling in, in people and in, in the new believers after Judas had been replaced and um, with Matthias. So in that time, the Holy Spirit wasn't in, in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit was not present in people. And so that's probably what they were meaning. And. And there has been some belief of that the reading of the Urim and Thummim was also characterized as prophesying under the Holy Spirit based on a word in Hebrew. So, and then in 2840, I just wanted to point out in chapter 28, verse 41, it's the word anoint in Hebrew here. Um, actually means to to smear over with oil. And we see a lot of symbolism with oil in the Bible. And it actually represents, it's another symbolism of baptism in the Holy Spirit is when you're being anointed with oil. And so um, that's pretty much it with Exodus today. I'm not going to go into 29 until... The next podcast where they talk about the consecration of the priest, but we're, we're seeing that he's addressing how the priest, the Lord is dressed, dressing to instructing Moses, how the priesthood is supposed to happen and, and what they're wearing and in the next chapter, how they're consecrated. And so we'll continue on Exodus on Monday. So... Now we're we're going to talk about Matthew chapter 24. After so many days, this is a very long chapter in the book of Matthew. But it's very interesting and very important. And uh one of the things I do want to point out in Matthew tw- chapter 24 is a lot of the new texts um, especially the New International Version, um, misinterprets Matthew 24.10. And see, like, I have a New International Version, and it says, at that time, many will uh, then turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. However, if you get an older King James Version... It says, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. So there's a misinterpretation in a lot of the newer versions about Matthew 24.10. So 
if you have your Bible, scratch out and say, shall at, at that time, many will be offended or shall be offended. However you want to put it, <laughs> it just needs the word offended. And I didn't realize this until somebody who is very knowledgeable in what is called eschatology, which for new believers, if you're like, what is eschatology? It is, you know, the study of at time and end time events. And so he was very knowledgeable and pointed that out that if you have a newer Bible, that is incorrect. So anyway, um, so getting into Matthew 24, so we are still in, you know, we've been talking about the Passion Week in the the Bible and we've been talking about the Passion Week and and all of that and we're in day three day three of the Passion Week for Christ is the longest day because of of recorded and what ends up happening is Christ ends up going into after rebuking the Pharisees as we talked about several podcasts ago um, he goes to the Mount of Olives and he delivers what is called the Olivet Discourse and the Olivet Discourse deals with with things of the future and what it is is Christ you know, we see in the book of Matthew that he's preaching about the kingdom of heaven is near. And when we talk about kingdom is, you know, Jesus, you know, the kingdom of heaven is, is present, but is yet to come when you, when you think about that. So, you know, they were preaching the kingdom of heaven is here and to repent. However, it is still yet to come because it, there are still things that have to be fulfilled. And so Jesus, part of his teachings is of things of the future. You know, and when you think about the Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you know, his teaching um, on future things, it occupies, occupied a significant place in each of the Synoptic Gospels. And, and in fact, the Synoptic writers, they devote four complete chapters to this subject. So with Matthew, it was Matthew chapter 24 and 25. And then Mark chapter 13 is devoted to that. And then Luke had chapter 21. So there's four chapters devoted to this. And it it's indicating its importance. And it suggests that we must not ignore future things in our study of scriptures. And Christ does not reveal the pre precise order of future events or gives extensive details about them. However, he did give a general overview of the future. He gives a general overview. 
And, you know, in his teachings, um, Christ links future events with his coming in glory. In fact, his second coming is the focus of the future naturally. And he mentions it often in his teachings. We will, we've seen that in Matthew chapter 16, verses 27 through 28, for example. And in Matthew 22, in verses 23 through 33, he reveals that he's going to resurrect the dead and judge all people, rewarding those who have done wickedly and those who have done well according to their actions. And we will see that as well mentioned in Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 through 34. In the parable of the talents. We'll see that. And we'll discuss that on the next podcast. Or in a future podcast when we get done with Matthew chapter 25. And those who have rejected. Or hold on. For those who have done well. There's rewards. But. Those rewards appear to be based on faithfulness in their service to God rather than the amount that they have done. For example, Matthew 20 verses 1 through 16. With that parable. <laughs> Those who have rejected Christ will go into everlasting punishment regardless of the supposed good deeds they have done. And that was actually discussed in Matthew chapter 7 verses 22 through 23 and then chapter 12 verse 36. And he, he, Christ makes clear the facts of his second coming, the resurrection and judgment. He does not specify the order in which the events in the Olivet discourse will occur. You know, so, this discourse indicates that other events will attend Christ's coming, including a time of tribulation on earth, judgment, and the establishment of Christ's kingdom. And then, as we know, based on other New Testament teaching, it appears Christ is going to return to catch away the church before the tribulation comes on the earth. And then following the tribulation, Christ will establish his, his kingdom. You know, and so we don't have, you know, there still is a mystery involved with chapter 24. But Jesus does give an, a general outline of the future. And so we can kind of look at it. You know, when he starts chapter 24, he talks about signs of the end of the age. And... He gives these signs and it's through, you know, verses four through 14, you know, that it, it characterizes the whole course of the last days and that will intensify as the end draws near. So for one thing is false prophets and religious com compromisers within the visible church is going to increase and deceive many. We are seeing an increase in that in these days. Um, you know, we're seeing an increase in that in the body of Christ these days. And 
that's why as believers, we really need to be studying our word and reading our word. And you will meet people in the book of Acts. They're known as Bereans and they didn't just take Paul for his word. They would go and study the scripture to make sure that what Paul was was preaching a lot was in line with scripture. We're to be like Bereans. We are to make sure, you know, when a pastor is preaching or even a guest speaker, an evangelist, when we're listening to somebody, we have to look to the scripture and make sure that what they're teaching lines up with with scripture, what scripture says. That's something we need to watch out for in these days because there is an increase in false doctrine and, and false teachers and prophets, pastors that, you know, as that have turned away from sound doctrine to condone, you know, agenda, you know, there's several pastors that have turned away from many denominations to allow the, the LGBTQ agenda to come in. So you have to watch out for those. And then it talks to, about the increase of wars, famines, and earthquakes. And that they're going to, in verses 6 through 7, and that's going to be the beginning of birth pains, pains of the new messianic age. You know, here in Wyoming, I don't get surprised with the weather because Wyoming, one year you'll have a bad winter, and then the next year you have a mild winter. But we are starting to see a change in the weather. Like this last summer, we had a hailstorm, a severe hailstorm. And usually that is not common in Wyoming for a hailstorm to happen. We had a tornado warning in, in, in the county that I was working at. And, and I was talk actually I was doing an article because the Red Cross was doing offering some training courses at, at the college here. And I was doing a newspaper article on that. And I was talking to an emergency coordinator. And she was saying there there is an increase in natural disasters. And so they wanted people to take these courses to be prepared. Families to be prepared. Because they're, they're seeing an increase in natural disasters. So there's that. He And then he talks about you know as the end draws nearer the persecution of God's people will become more severe and many will forsake their loyalty to Christ or however, you know, it's or be offended. You know, and I hate to say this, but we see a really huge increase in offense right now. People easily get offended over the littlest things. Um, they get offended even just saying something in a sermon. They get offended and then they want to leave because they see it as being judgmental. And so, and we're going to see... and. And you see it in some countries, the persecution is actually getting higher on, on Christians. 
I'm not going to name those countries right now, you know, just for protection of certain missionaries and all of that. But there are certain countries where the persecution is really high. And in here, even America, Christians are not highly favored. They're actually looked down upon in a lot of ways because we stand for, for things that, you know, are, are contrary to what the world says is okay. So we're also going to see violence, crime, and disregard for God's law uh, increase rapidly and natural love and family affection will decrease. I don't think you really have to see very much to see that we're seeing an increase in violence. You know, when I was growing up watching elections each year, you know, there wasn't, you know, people would be discouraged after an election as I grew up, but compared to the last major election when President Trump was elected, I've never seen such violence in my life. And there are such, there's such violence. Now in Wyoming, it's not as bad, you know, you can wear a Trump sweatshirt and there will actually be people, you know, tapping on your shoulder asking you where where you got that sweatshirt and who do I need to call to get one, you know? And and there's hats and stuff like that going around. It's not as bad here, but I've heard in areas where you can't even wear a sweatshirt with Trump without somebody getting violent. And and it's not just because of elections. We see an increase in violence. Uh you know, we're not very far from Billings, Montana and Billings, Montana. I see almost all the time an increase in violence. It's almost to the point you really don't want to take the hour and a half drive up there because you just don't know what's going to happen up there. You know, there's actual people that just go and steal tires in front of and broad daylight in front of people. And most people will not call the cops because of that, you know, and so violence and crime is, is actually increasing and we're seeing a very high disregard for God's law. You know, you don't have to look too far to, to see where that disregard is. There's such a disregard in, in marriage, you know, against traditional marriage. There's a disregard for, for the sanctity of life with kids and, we see that over and over and that natural love and family affection will decrease. You, you are seeing a breakdown of the family. And I, I want to say this, that social media and our phones and all of that are a part of it. And you know, all of this is happening and I'm a newspaper reporter and I have people that are coworkers or I hear people that are freaking out over this stuff and it, it doesn't bother me. And I want to say why, because when I see this and I start seeing the fulfilling of prophecy, what it actually does for me is 
how can I talk to people about Christ in this situation? It puts an urgency in my heart to share the gospel even more and get more people saved because, you know, time is drawing near to an end. And, and yes, the next part is in spite of the intense, you know, intensity, increase of trouble, you know, we're going to see that the gospel is going to be preached in the whole world. And there are people, there are missionaries that are going, even though in the persecution, there's a possibility they're going to die. They're going to go, they go and they preach the gospel and you see that the gospel is, is going through. There's nothing, no persecution cannot keep God at bay. It's going to come through. We see it all the time in, 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 in the book of Acts. You see it, even though there was per persecution, that persecution caused the disciples to go to other places and it actually traveled, the gospel traveled to other places. So, and so, you know, the saved will be those who stand firm in their faith through all the end time distress. The, the faithful, as they see, as we see these signs, we're going to know that the day of the Lord's return is approaching. And as the days come along, it's, it's coming. And... You know, we're going to see that as we continue on. You know, and he talks about at verse 14, then the end will come. And and so from verse 15 through verse 28, this is describing a great tribulation. This will happen after the church has been caught up. The church will not... The body of believers who are faithful to the Lord will not go through the tribulation. And there's going to be a period of time of, of the great tribulation. Uh, and then after the tribulation, there's going to be spectacular cosmic signs as we see in verse 29. They're going to precede the appearing of Christ and give clear warning of his return. And I was... When we get to the book of Revelation, we'll talk about some of these angels. And there's an angel, like, I never really thought about it until I took this class. An angel's face is going to appear in the sun. I always thought it was just like an angel in front of the sun. No, his face appears in the sun. And he's talking to the world. We're going to see, or they're going to see that. People here on earth are going to see that. Yeah, we'll we'll have a seat in heaven somewhere. You know, those of us who, you know, we'll have a seat in heaven. Those of us who are, you know, with Christ. And, you know, Christ returned to earth with power and great glory. It's, well, it's not going to be taken by surprise. Uh, for any tribulation believer who heeds God words and observes the cosmic signs related to the sun, moon, stars, and the shaking of the powers and of the heavens. And then verse 30 talks about the son of man coming. And it's, 
you know, portraying Christ appearing in the sky after the tribulation and the cosmic signs that he's going to come to judge the wicked to deliver his faithful people and establish righteousness on earth. Uh, All Christians, both the living and the dead, who had been taken from the earth at the rapture is going to return with Christ at his coming with power and great glory. And the sign is probably Christ himself coming on the clouds of glory, surrounded by brilliant light. And so we talk about that and... And then when Jesus returns to the earth at the, after the tribulation, there's going to be certain events that take place. There's going to be God's judgment on the wicked, the Antichrist and Satan, and the judgment and the separation of people on earth alive at Christ's coming. And and there's going to be the the gathering of the saints of all ages, including the saints already in heaven, and those alive on earth at Christ's advent, the thousand year reign of Christ on earth, will have all of those happen. Continuing on in twenty four, he talks about that it's an unexpected that only the Father knows you know, the, the time of Christ's return. And then it talks about, you know, the coming of the Son of Man, and it refers into, in the days of Noah, so it would be at the coming of the Son of Man. You know, for in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken, one will be left. So what is that is referring to, you know, that we don't know exactly the day and the hour Christ is going to come. We're just given the signs. And, you know, I continue to say that each day that passes we're just one day closer to Christ coming back because we don't know exactly when his day is going to be back. And just, it's the same thing with Noah, you know, in that time, in the time of Noah, it hadn't even rained on the earth. And so people, you know, were thinking Noah is crazy building a boat, an ark. And they went and they were just going through their lives you know, they're eating, drinking, marrying. They were just living their life. And then the flood came. There was no sign, you know, other than there's this man building an ark, preparing for that day. And as believers, it's the same way, you know, there, there are people that do scoff today going, where is Jesus? There's no way he's coming back. And, and they're going through their lives, living their lives normal, not knowing that this is coming 
And we believers are the ones that are sent to warn these people that, you know, we're to tell them the good news, the gospel, and that he is coming back and to warn them because, because of that. But we just don't know the day and the hour. And that's why, you know, he tells us to keep watch because we don't know the day and the hour, you know, and, and so, you know, we just don't know. And he has this thing about the thief, you know, that Christ coming in an unknown time is to be as unexpected as that of a thief who breaks into a house. You think about it when somebody breaks into a house and steals items the owner doesn't know that's happening. They don't know until after it happens. And that's the same. We're, we're not going to know until Christ appears. And we're raptured. For those of us who believe who are, we're raptured. And those who don't believe, they're going to be... It's going to be a wake-up call. And I think there's going to be a lot of salvations after the rapture because people are going to realize they missed the boat. <laughs> and they're going to believe at that point. They're going to realize. And it's it's sad, but, you know, it's, it is going to happen. And, it you know, he's talking about, you know, a faithful and wise servant you know, who ends up drinking and beating the servants, thinking that his master's not coming. As believers, we have to watch and be careful to not be like that servant and just become lazy and in our walk and do whatever we want. We still have to be faithful and watching, you know, and have and and look forward in the times. So... That's pretty much a, a vague portion of, of our faith is, you know, we go and share the gospel, we share the good news and continue to do the work knowing one day that Jesus is coming back, that, you know, we still have an expectancy and, you know, we just don't, you know, and I know there were people that you know, they would stop voting, they would stop living because they said, well, we think Christ is coming back. And so we're just, they become lazy and just wait until Christ comes back. And it's like, no, we can't because we just don't know when he's coming back. And so we're to be watching and continuing to, you know, be a part of the harvest, you know, of souls and all of that and, and continuing on in the faith until Jesus comes back. You know, we're just supposed to run the race until, you know, either we die or, or Christ comes back. And, you know, when we, when you die, you know, your body is going to be in the grave wherever you're buried and your soul's going to be in heaven but as I, you know, have talked about, when the rapture happens, those who already died and passed on, they get to come back and get get their bodies. 
And I think those who were cremated, because there's always this debate about cremation. My grandma, who was a believer, was cremated when she passed away. We had her cremated. It was cheaper that way. She wanted to be cremated. She had done her scripture study and just said, you know what? I believe God could just remake the body when I come back. So we had her cremated. So she'll get her body back. I'm trusting her at her word that at this word that is going to happen. So uh so that is pretty much it for for chapter 24. There's still one more chapter of about future events. And we will talk about that when we get through chapter 25. It's a lot easier to do those kind of things once we get through those. So we'll do that and when that happens. And so that is pretty much it for today's episode. So for Monday, we are going to have Exodus chapter twenty. 9 verse 5 through uh, chapter 30 verse 21 read and then Psalm 22 verses 25 through 31 Proverbs 4 verses 10 through 11 and then Matthew 25 verses 1 through 30 and so that is it for today and so I'm going to end in a prayer and then we will be done and I'm hoping you guys are having a great weekend and staying warm or enjoying the sunshine, whatever may be going on, having a time of rest, enjoying family. So we just want to thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing and what you continue to do, Lord. We just thank you for your son that died on the cross, Lord God. We thank you as we read the Old Testament that it just keeps pointing to Jesus, Lord, that he is our high priest, that he knows our, when we are weak, when we are struggling, he is there interceding for us. And we thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us for all, from all of our sins, O Lord Jesus. And that, Lord, I just pray today that you would just put an urgency in our heart in these last days, Lord God, to to share the gospel, Lord God, before before you return, Lord God. And I just pray that you would just divinely place us to in our spheres of influence to reach to a coworker, somebody in the store, even a family member, Lord God, and that I pray that you would just open up doors for conversations to happen, Lord. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit just go before us and empower us, embolden us to to speak and stand for you, Jesus, in this time and this decade, Lord. We just thank you. For all that you continue to do and that you will do, we thank you for being the same today and, you know, being the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, we just give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great weekend.